accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called You Are Cordially Invited. It is the seventh episode of the sixth season, aired on November 10th, 1997. Written by Ronald D. Moore, Klingon expert. Directed by David Livingston. In this episode, the matriarch of the House of Martok challenges Worf and Dax's marriage. Just kidding, they get married anyway. That's the episode. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Good. I, uh... I... <laughs> I, I wish there was a scene where, where uh, Martok was like, Worf, your son is awful. <laughs> because it's like, that's Seriously, his whole character. all I can think about, yeah. No, you mean yeah, Alexander. I had to get always... him off my ship, actually, because he's just, he's, he's just the worst. <laughs> it's a pretty good Martok, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, I... I guess it kind of ties into the whole thing. I I kind of like Alexander's portrayal in this for some yeah, reason. I, like it's a yeah. little bit off the beaten path, and he's a little bit, you know, he's super corny in this to a way that I almost think that Worf wouldn't really um, be understanding of him. But I, I don't mind it all that bad. Although I think that'll probably spread to the whole episode. So, do you want to uh, he, give uh, us? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say he reminds me of. Uh, do you have you seen Tropic Thunder? Yes. Do you remember uh, Matthew McConaughey's son in Tropic Thunder? No, I don't. Who he's plays got, him? <laughs> it, he's he's only it's just a stupid joke on the side where he's where uh, uh, Ben Stiller's talking about adopting a son, a, a kid, and and Matthew McConaughey's like, yeah, you know that's great. Some of us, you know, we don't get to choose who our son is, and they cut to a picture of him and his son, and his son's just this like moping dork of a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I feel like the relationship with Worf and Alexander is. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to uh, give us a uh, cut to the audio clip with the Martok voiceover? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Oh, do you want, do you, do you want to give us uh, Martok introducing the audio clip? <laughs> <laughs> Warf, play the clip. That wasn't very <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna play an audio clip. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to break down. You are cordially invited. Play this clip in front of my wife, who I don't like, but I still love. <laughs> Save your breath. Worf's gone too far, and now it's over. Do you know what he wanted me to do? He wanted me to go crawling on my hands and knees to Sorella to beg her forgiveness. Beg her! Me! I was once the Federation ambassador to the Klingon Empire. I negotiated the Kinemer Accords before Worf was even born. Curzon negotiated the Accords. And I've got news for you, old man. You're not Curzon anymore. And what the hell is that supposed to mean? It means that you can't expect Cirilla to treat you like Curzon just because you carry his memories. To her, you're just a young woman who decided to marry into her family. If it means you have to bow down and kiss her boots, that's exactly what you have to do. And you knew that. The moment you decided to marry Worf, you knew that sooner or later, you'd have to bow down and show her the respect that she's due. All right, so a wedding episode. We've got our come down episode from the uh, the heights and the stress and the anxiety and the high blood pressure of the past six episodes. And as DS9 usually does, it usually follows up these uh, two-parters and longer arcs with a little bit of a come down episode. I think this one's appropriate. Uh, where the other ones maybe sometimes didn't feel appropriate, they they start this one off by saying, you know what, the war's still going on, but it feels good to be home. Let's have a lighthearted little adventure. Uh, Clay, 
what did you think of this one a wedding themed star trek episode uh i actually i liked it i thought it was good i um i wasn't sure how i was going to feel about it going in but i've always i've never had a problem with the relationship between uh um dax and and wharf so uh i wasn't surprised that this one um was was good it was uh it, I mean, it was fairly, fairly one note. I feel like it's 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 sort of a expansion of what they've been doing with them all the way up to this point, which is you know, Worf's a Klingon and Dax isn't, and how will they ever manage to coexist? It's sort yes. of like the the big version of that. Um, but I thought it was fun. I thought the bachelor party thing was was fun. I the bachelor party thing didn't super land with me until like the, the the clip of. Uh, O'Brien and Bashir hanging from over the coals, <laughs> yeah. and then he's like, "I've had a vision. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill Worf." <laughs> I, I, I thought it was worth it all for the. Uh, at the end of the ceremony, Bashir is like, "Can we hit him now?" Yeah. Martok <laughs> says, "Not yet, not yet." Uh, I, um, I thought those. I thought those jokes worked pretty well. Like the the bachelor party thing was better in the uh, the responses of the crew members to it than it was mm-hmm. like the concept of the bachelor party. I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you were saying, where they're hanging over the coals and then attacking them at the very end and stuff like that. I, I, I like this one just because it's. Um, I, I feel like it's lighthearted, but it actually works. You know, like the the Ferengi episodes, you can say are lighthearted, but I don't feel like the comedy works there a lot of the time. Here, yeah. I, here, I thought it was pretty. It's pretty solid. You know, it's like standard PG rated uh, syndicated television comedy stuff where it's like oh you guys are hungry you can't have your food but i think it works for how like you know the the charming aspect of that star trek can sometimes be i think this one manages it yeah i thought they 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 put together a pretty um a pretty good contrast to the way that they're handling everything of course Worf is doing the uh uh a very traditional uh bachelor party that sucks yeah. whereas dax <laughs> is has to break break free from uh, the shittiness of her uh, potential mother-in-law by having like a, a blowout party, which was fun. I, uh, I thought the, the party scene was fun, except man, she, she really, uh, <clears throat> she, she really was, was uh, going to do something with that Hawaiian <laughs> Lieutenant. Huh? I don't know what was going to happen there. Well, uh, yeah, they didn't really, they, they didn't really touch on the, um, the uh, cultural appropriation of that guy's culture for entertainment either, but they also yeah, I, she's I definitely think, implying that she's going to fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, at some I point. think she was going to appropriate something other than his culture. <laughs> I uh, I I liked that party scene. It was kind of like I, I, what I was kind of struck by this, and we've talked about this before, but I think an episode like this really highlights the difference between the DS Nine characters and the TNG characters, where. You know, a, a party on TNG always felt like a forced office party. And a lot yes, like it yeah. felt very uptight and they're eating cake and everything and hanging out with each other in their uniforms. Where um I think the DS9 show really just excels even if you you know, even if you might say that the TNG characters are like your favorite uh, characters or you prefer them as characters over the DS9 people, I think the the ensemble working together works better on DS9 in a more realistic fashion than TNG ever did. Yeah, parties on TNG, you could tell it was a party because they were leaning against the bar and that was about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh and they were they were drinking a different colored liquid. Uh yeah, they were generally pretty pr- pr- <laughs> It seemed like they were all 
uh, parties that were planned and um, there's an agenda put, to the to the yeah, party, yeah, and put together by Picard specifically, where he's like, everyone will be here at seven o'clock on the dot, and yeah. you're like, all right, only just we're gonna hang around, and <clears throat> it's one of those ones like where uh, 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 is it office space where they have the birthday party and people just keep talking about paper? Yes. No, I think it's the office. I think oh, it was an episode of the office, office episode, where they, yeah. Yeah, they go. They have they have a party, and and everybody from the office goes to the party, and then they just Talk end up talking about paper the whole time. Yep, yeah, yeah. Th- that feels like a TNG party. That's very much. A, that's a very realistic uh, portrayal of office parties, though. People talk. <laughs> people talk about work at the office party. You get yeah. fired for anything else. Um, yeah, it's you know it's funny. I've never really experienced that because I don't really I don't have office parties. The closest thing I have to an office party is when you know after a convention you go to a bar afterwards. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know if it just feels different because we're talking about like comic books, um, but it doesn't feel at, like that as much. Where it's, it feels like most of the time we end up talking about something else. But yeah, no, I, I'd say as someone who works in an office, it is funny. But it's like it's the only thing you have in common with these people, you know. Yes, so it's yeah, like yeah. it's. I would describe it as a relaxed work conversation where you're you're more. Uh, you're talking about work, but it's not like in a work environment where you're talking about the like the nuts and bolts of it. So it's it's a little yeah. bit different, but it's the same thing. But it's really all you know about these people without crossing a line into like inappropriate conversation uh, that you have to be yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you have to be careful about. I have I have had experiences though where uh, my girlfriend will be with me and I'll be talking to a, a fellow comic book artist, usually like Sean or something, and um, she's she'll hang with us for the most part. But then if we start talking like technical stuff, like pens or paper or something like that she's like okay i'm just i'm gonna go because i can't feign interest in paper weights yep and uh, uh different pen nibs so uh <laughs> let me know when you guys are done I'm like, right. <laughs> there's I an do art not blame her no there's an art uh, an art to that con- kind of conversation what's the uh the last bachelor party you went to oh geez um the last bachelor party i went to was you went to one in montreal I don't know, remember who yeah, was that. Yeah, that was that was Dave's. That was a while ago. That was a while Probably, ago. shit. Who was the last of our friends to get married? Um, did uh, Greg Pat, maybe? Did, what's that? I think it might have been Pat. Oh, okay. Pat, yeah, Pat. Uh, Greg actually has not had a bachelor party yet because uh, he did. They did that thing where like they got married just in a small ceremony, and then they're like, we'll do all that stuff later. And they never do that stuff later. Yeah. And Greg, if you're listening, we're throwing you a bachelor party. You're not going to get out of it, and you're not going to know when it's going to happen. You're just going to get a bag over your head, and you're going to wake up in front of Kowloon on Route 1. I never uh, I never had a bachelor party either. Um, Hold it. Wait. Is it? Is this your way of asking for one? <laughs> I was like, Clay, I mean, do you, if you, do you want, not remember can... not going to my bachelor party? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You missed you missed that uh, you missed that subtle cue. No, I I, I never had a bachelor party, which is I, I'm like a, I, I'm torn on bachelor parties, which is like in like the the wedding aspect here of what's going on. I think I think mm-hmm. that the the wedding and the show and everything does a pretty good job of I think they subtly capture that everyone in the audience is kind of bored <laughs> by what's going yeah. on and they can't wait to get out of there. Uh, but I think the the bachelor party aspect was uh, kind of fun to think about. Just like I, I was interested that the show kept it relatively close to what bachelor parties kind of are in, in a way that maybe wasn't even intentional, but the bachelorette and the bachelor party kind of struck me as like very real experiences. Um I don't know if I. I don't. I don't know if I've never ever been on a bachelor party quite like the one that Worf had. 
Yeah, with the fasting um, and everything like that, it's usually yeah. the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's kind of there's this kind of two versions of it, and I think they kind of get across both versions of it here, uh, where you you have the one where it's like, okay, this is the thing that we are doing, and then it will be done, and we will all go home, versus the one that's just like a crazy party. Right. Well, I, I think Dax Dax represents what like the traditional bachelor bachelorette party kind of yeah, is, and yeah. Worf Worf's represents the other spectrum, which is like. We're not going to do anything lewd, but we're going to do an activity that the groom likes to do. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I've been on both uh, events, mm-hmm. and it really depends on like the the groom. The, the reason I didn't want to have a bachelor party is because I am the personality that hates assuming other people are going to want to do what I want to do, sort of, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. makes me very uncomfortable. Um, I never, <laughs> I never like throwing parties because I'm always, I'm always hyper aware of like, I don't think people are enjoying this <laughs> as much yes. as I am. And yeah. it's a very like upsetting thing to me. So I didn't want to do it. Although I've never had a really, I've never had a bad time at a bachelor party. Some of them have gone on a little bit too long and I wanted to leave after a couple of days. But outside mm-hmm. of that, that, um, you know, lewd or not lewd, uh, they all kind of, I think they just they just kind of match weddings for me at this point. Like I've seen so many of them that yeah. I'm a the novelty is kind of the the blo- the bloom is off the rose or whatever yeah. that saying is. Yeah, yeah. I they vary for me. I I, I like I, I don't love. I'm not a big fan of strip clubs. So anytime that I'm on a bachelor party where we go to a strip club, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I guess I'll go have a beer yeah, for a yeah. while. They're they're fairly. Uh, Amy also hates strip clubs. So if unless I want to get into a fight about uh, strip clubs, it, it's difficult to uh, pull them off. <laughs> I, I, I have, I, and I kind of, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's her fault, but I, I kind of agree. Like, I don't understand the concept of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, I don't know what kind of brain you need. Cause I've, I've been to some bachelor parties where there are some people that I don't know, like they're friends of the groom that I am unfamiliar with who mm-hmm. they are very excited by the strippers. Like in, in a yeah. way that I'm like, have you, do you have the internet at your house? Like, is this, are you aware <laughs> of what you could find out there? Like some people are really, some dudes are just really into strippers. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. just not that way. Yeah. I, I, uh, I will say the one story that I will tell is at Dave's bachelor party, his best man, friend of the show, Sean Cordy. Uh, did did take I, th- the most uh, best man ask hit for the team I've ever seen where we were at a strip club in Montreal and they were trying to do this thing where they were trying to get Dave to go up on the stage and they were going to, you know, basically torture him for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and he ref- he absolutely refused to do it. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things where like Sean had paid for it beforehand or something. And he was like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And yeah. so he went up and he basically like, he basically uh, literally <laughs> took one for the team, staring at Dave the whole time, being like, "This, I'm doing this for you, Dave. <laughs> While he had a stripper, like, whipping him with his own belt in the ass or something. Yeah, there's no refunds. <clears throat> Good on at, him. At joints like that, I don't think, unfortunately. Surprisingly not. <laughs> uh, there's always a dollar ham sandwich in the back, though. Make sure you, <clears throat> you make sure you hit up the, uh, the bar, get a beer and get a sandwich. Um, I will say, uh, Montreal, I, I, the, the only thing that almost got me to like get into the strip club thing was that I had dri- I had had so many like Molson dries by that point <laughs> that I I never wanted another beer in my life like I wasn't it wasn't cuz I was drunk it was just the worst beer I had it was the only thing that they had at these at these bars and strip clubs yeah and it was just like the worst possible option for the, for a beer I um 
I got yelled at by a stripper too at one time, <laughs> and which kind of put me off a little bit. I was like, I'm trying to give you money, goddammit. Like it was mm-hmm. a uh it, it was a very um I don't know. I don't like Did it, you pay in quarters or something? No, I, I was like holding the money and it was it was almost like she's I think she was um I think she was just trying to like play up the angle of like make me work for it, trying to be like a kind of a sexy thing, but I didn't appreciate her tone <laughs> the way that she approached the uh, the topic. So I, I would love to see that because it sounds like you're you are you are basically what wharf at a strip club would be like. <laughs> basically. It's um yeah, there's something there's something just a little bit off a little bit off about it. I do I do think that's the one thing that they could have done in this episode. Uh, if they had the time, that I think would have been fun. Have a stripper yell at Worf. No, if they had tried to, if they had let the other guys try to throw him a bachelor oh, party, that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. you know, and just watch him be uncomfortable with all this other stuff. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that's not the, ro- the route that they went, uh, especially when you have um, the other stuff of, of Dax doing all this weird Klingon it, it seems it seems right ripe for uh, you've got Dax doing the the traditional Klingon stuff which she hates, and then you've got Worf being taken out on a a uh, you know traditional quote unquote traditional Earth bachelor party which he hates that kind of thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No one no one's happy with it, and then to get that actually seems like a more realistic approach to the uh, to the real life bachelor party into the wedding type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just to have yeah the bride and groom both like anxious to. Uh, get everything over with, I think, at that point, and like resume yes. a normal life. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a. I like this episode. I I, I like the comedy of it. Um, it is scandalous because the Klingon calls Dex a slut at some point, Ugh. which is remarkable for Star Trek. Yeah, I, I think know. I was very surprised by that. I, I I would I would be more understanding of like uh, slut is just such a nasty word. Like wh- a horror yeah. would horror would have raised my eyebrows, but it wouldn't have like knocked me on my seat harlot. the way that <laughs> the harlot the way that uh, the Flizzy. way that slut does here. Flim flam flim flam woman. Uh, woman of loose morals. The, and I think you know it's got I think it's got a pretty decent Dex moment. I thought that they did a pretty good job with the scene where Cisco's talking to her and he's like, "Listen, you're 400 years old. Like time to grow up and stuff like that." I thought that was yeah. a neat use of the Dex character. And I, I liked I liked even Martok's, uh, you kind of made fun of it at the start about loving his wife, even though she's kind of a horrible person. Yes. I, th- I yeah. thought it was a decent speech from him, actually. Like it's a, um, yeah. Yeah. it was a well-written romance uh, relationship speech in a series that sometimes horribly whiffs on that stuff, especially in TNG. It was yeah. pretty awful. But here I thought they, they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. I think... Uh, uh... I, the the only thing that I, th- I felt like was missing, but obviously it wasn't really the point of the episode, so I can see why they didn't have enough time to tie it up, was I thought that the 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 Dax and mother-in-law story never really resolved itself. They, they just kind of had that scene at the end where she's like, I welcome my daughter to the family or whatever. Um, there was never a moment where they kind of made peace with each other before that. No, no. Uh, or that showed that Dax was willing to do what she had to do to be part of the family after all or whatever mm. but you know you only have so much time and i think th- that's lower on the list of things they had to worry about what do you think of uh the big thing here cisco's speech is that dex you have to suck it up and uh you know you got into this knowing that she's a klingon you have to suck up your pride and you have to uh kiss the rings basically mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. What, what do you think of that in terms of the show and in terms in terms of real life um it's interesting because, you know, I think it comes back to this uh, 
lacks definition of exactly what Dax is as far as the relationship between the uh, uh, the Trill and the host. Because I feel like they could have got into some conflict there where, like, you know, uh, Jedzia has all these feelings for Worf, but Dax is like, ah, I don't really know what, you know what I mean? Like mm. having some sort of like, use that as an excuse to have an emotional split or an emotional turmoil because he, he just talks to her, talks to her so much as though he's talking to this entity. That's however old it is. Right. Um, that, uh, I, I appreciate the speech cause I guess you have to pick a lane with that. Um, but it would have been interesting if they, if they had, uh, been able to do something like that where they kind of um, made it a little bit more gray and 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 whatnot as far as where her uh, her emotions were coming from. Yeah, I um, I suppose I have a. Uh, I always wonder about whether or not like the Klingon approach would be to like uh, accept someone who's like submissive to you. I guess is kind of a strange yeah. thing. Like I, I always think that Dax should have fought back, and it seems like the kind of cliche plot where Dax would be meek and sort of like wanting to please at the start, but then she like, yeah. you know, breaks and she sort of fights back at the end. And the Klingon's was like, finally, you've proven you have the spirit of a warrior. You may marry my yeah. son. I was kind of thinking that's what was going to happen when she punched her at the, at the party. Yeah. I thought it was like, Oh, okay. I assumed that was going to be where the, uh, the mother-in-law finally developed some love for her or whatever, but that wasn't how they went with it. But no, no, it's just, she's just a, She's kind of an interesting character, the uh, the mother-in-law. I can't remember what her name is, something like Srilka or something. But she's, yeah. I think it's a pretty good performance for a female Klingon. It makes some... Um, that we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. I think she, she's different from like Lursa and Bator. She's much more of a traditional like royalty type figure, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it makes sense within the Klingons. And I, I think it makes sense with her and Martok and everything like that. I think it's a good performance, good writing, and... You know, it doesn't go the cliche way with Dax, and I kind of appreciate it for that, even if I don't think that it really sorts itself out by the end. Yeah, I kind of, I, I, I kind of wish that she would come back. I don't know if she does, um, just because they, uh, they don't really have any interaction. Her and Martok. Yeah. Um, they seem so like a good pair of, to say. Yeah. Yeah, it would be fun to see like a couple scenes with the two of them, just you know, uh, apparently not liking each other and definitely not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> but they are Klingons. I had to do the um uh when I proposed to Amy, she accepted and then she's like, Oh, did you ask uh my father? I was like, mm-hmm. No. Uh why would I do that? And she's like and she's like, Well, uh, my parents are fairly old fashioned about this stuff. You should probably have uh have asked them and things like that. You should probably, <laughs> and but I related to this like kissing the ring type thing. Here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did it, but it was it was an incredibly awkward conversation. Like I don't even know like, you know, I'm I'm going through this basically like I have to sign the contract. Like I'm like yeah, I'm gonna yeah. get this all out of the way. It's like I don't really I don't really like if you say no, what am I gonna do? Not marry your daughter? So like, well, yeah. I don't know why we're having this conversation. Yeah. But I, I I thought it was weird. Cisco's. I don't know if I agree with Cisco's point of like suck up your pride and do this like for the better. I understand you want to make the peace and just kind of like get your wedding over with and then move on and not have like a uh, ruffled feathers with your in-laws or something. But I, I always find that a little bit strange. It's a, it's a weird thing to sort of bow down to the parents in mm-hmm. this old fashioned way where they they still think that their 
treating their daughter or son like uh, some kind of property that needs to be like yeah. taken away from them. It was, it's a little bit mm-hmm. strange that Star Trek uh, held on to that in the 24th century. Yeah, it, it it's. I feel like I feel like it would have it made a little more sense. Not that it doesn't make sense because I think it's fine. Uh, but if Dax had been completely dismissive of everything from the start, like because she she was she was putting the effort in. And she was the the mother in law was just being extra hard on her, um, but the way that 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 Cisco is talking to her is as though she is does not care whatsoever about any of the uh, traditions when that's not really true. Right, Worf's uh, being extra difficult with her too. You know, it's she's got yeah, a point about the yeah. candles. It's like, why do you want me to go get the real? Just these candles are fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, um, Dax has always kind of managed to do that to her benefit where uh wharf will be uptight about something and she'll be like no it's not that big of a deal we're still gonna do it but we're just not gonna do it as hardcore as you think it needs to be done and it's gonna be fine yeah yeah and that's what she continues here and it and it, and it doesn't work and but the way there was never like that scene with with cisco there was not a, she doesn't really have a retort about saying like i tried i tried my best and this is stupid i'm doing i'm doing this for him blah blah you know that wasn't there i don't think at least i don't remember it being and i think that maybe would have made it a little bit um more uh accurate to how she she is because it's not that she she, i mean she clearly cares about klingon tradition you know yep uh and it's it's not like she's just uh you know looking at her phone while right. while she's being taught the history of whatever i actually thought the history scene was pretty funny yeah because <laughs> uh, it kind of it kind of brings out how bullshit some of that stuff is yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, it actually reminded me i have this big book on scotland that i was reading a while ago and one of the interesting things about it was um at a certain point in scottish history they wrote down the history of of the kings of scotland but uh the, the the actual unified nation of Scotland wasn't really that old. So what they had to do is they had to take all of the varying kings of tribes and whatnot of that were like the Pictish tribes and stuff. Yeah. And they just kind of smashed them all together and, and created this history. So like they from that point on, you'd have these people, these, uh, you know, Scottish kings or, or nobles or whatever, talking about this grand tradition of Scottish blood going back thousands of years. And it's like, actually, no, this only is about like 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. No, the the yeah, the blood of kings has to start somewhere. It's funny there, too, because they're so closely knit to England that a lot of it is like, you know, the history kind of blends together and you kind of lose track of who's going where and who's marrying who. Uh, to a point where I guess it doesn't really, you feel like it doesn't really matter. You take the Dax opinion there, where it's like none of this is yeah. particularly relevant to anything. Not so much anymore. At the time, it was very contentious. Very contentious, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, let's see here. I, I thought that the, uh, I thought this is like a pretty good use of Dax. Like, I, I think we've complained before about like the use of the Dax character. And I think that mm-hmm. Terry Farrell works better in certain situations than she does in others. I think this is a pretty good Dax episode. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Where this might actually be one of my favorite Dax episodes. Yeah, like her. I think Farrell's pretty good in the post-party scenes and during the party stuff. Like mm-hmm. she, mm-hmm. she should have been written more as the carefree uh, spirit that they tried to sort of fix her into. But at, at a certain yeah. point, they they want her to be the consigliere to Cisco. But she actually works better as this kind of a character, as both an actor and a uh, as like a in canon or in universe character. I think. Yeah, She's, yeah. I um, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it, it's just the she she doesn't she even brings this up in like the documentary or something she doesn't have the like experience and age as mm. an actress to play the consigliere role really well like they can write it for her, but it never really feels believable when she's giving cisco advice and yeah here i like them flipping the tables where cisco gives her advice and she actually listens to it and it works out for her yeah i think i think it would have been beneficial if they had because I, I, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think they could have written her as a more carefree consigliere type, where instead of being the serious, wizened one who, you know, gives the serious advice, she gives the serious advice, but she does it in a sort of flippant way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Um, which I think would have probably played to uh, uh, Farrell's strengths a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's... I... You know, kind of more like a. I mean, I, I hate. I hate to keep making the comparison to the Doctor from Doctor Who, but it's it's a fairly apt comparison. Yeah, I guess. right. But, uh, They're the same kind of construct of a yeah. character and everything. But you know, you, you have that that character is is you know ultra smart and everything, and and wizened and has all this experience, but is still portrayed in a very sort of uh, uh, light and carefree way until until it counts. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think that would have been an interesting way to to play her in this. The um, let's get. I'll get my one sort of uh, issue I think with this episode out of the way, and then mm-hmm. we'll move to final thoughts. Uh, I don't care. It totally makes sense in context of the tone of the episode, but I don't like the way that Odo and Kira reconcile in this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, a joke because it's a comedy episode. They make it, mm-hmm. and I, I think the joke actually kind of works for what it is. But I think that it's a. The reconciliation there is probably a little bit deeper than them just hanging out sort of like a post 3 a.m. college house party where you stumble onto somebody having a conversation and they walk out awkwardly. Uh, But what'd you think? Um, I liked it. I'm really happy that they weren't making out with each other when they opened when she opened the door. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I agree. You know, I, I for something. I'm kind of of two minds about it because on the one hand, like I don't want to be there when he has to, when they have to talk about how he was off having sex with his mom Mm -hmm. for a while Mm -hmm. or whatever that was. Um, But yeah, I can, I I feel like there's probably a a better scene in there somewhere where they actually, you know, have to address stuff, but you know, I don't know if, if you're just trying to get on with it and stuff, it, 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 I'm of two minds of it because I think it could go either way. You could have a scene where they where it's like a really intense scene where they're really hashing it out and everything. But like in real life, a scene like I feel like this is not entirely unbelievable that you know, these two people who have had this shit happen between the two of them just end up talking for a while and then they're just kind of back to normal, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. it's it, it was it was a big deal what Odo did and probably deserves a heavier hand as far as uh uh how kira feels about everything but um especially because they, they seem to stress to me that she doesn't tell she didn't report on what odo did it seems because yeah. no one seems to know why they're not talking to each other so yeah i i think that implies that it's a much more serious event than the reconciliation here uh, comes across because if it was if it was just a minor thing, I feel like Kira would have told them all about what Odo did, and everyone would be aware of it. And then a lighthearted, easygoing reconciliation like the one they have here makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 
I would agree, I think. I don't think it's a problem um, with the episode. It's just, and yeah. I, I also agree that I don't know if I wanted to see it stretched out, really. Like, they don't need the yeah. rest of the season for them to be at odds or him avoiding her or things like that. Because Well, I think, I think part of it is that um, they're playing it more like a personal relationship squabble than a uh, Odo almost got everybody killed squabble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You know, because, like, the, the way that they're playing everything feels like two friends who have had a really awkward thing happen between them and they're not talking to each other who then, you know, because of this party and the loose atmosphere, get a chance to talk and, you know, they're, they're back, they're back to normal, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but what he, what actually happened is a little heavier than that. Yes. Uh, but they chose to go with the, the, you know, awkwardness between friends thing rather than the, you know, if you almost, uh, caused us to lose the war thing. right right what were you thinking what were you thinking yeah that's that's really my only uh quibble with it i think otherwise it's a pretty good episode let's take a break we're gonna play an audio clip we'll come back we'll read some patron thoughts give our final thoughts and then we will wrap this one up miles yeah it's working i've had a vision about the future i can see it so clearly what is it? I'm gonna kill Wolf. All right, everybody. So comment below with your favorite wedding slash bachelor party slash bachelorette party experience, and then maybe we'll read some of the good ones on the podcast <laughs> next episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's uh, there's some other one. Maybe I'll come up and think of uh, some other ones actually, and we can have a whole little little uh, preamble to the next episode. But that would be an interesting Patreon topic. It would be an interesting, yeah, <laughs> the most scandalous, the most scandalous uh, wedding stories that you've ever seen. Um, if you like the content today, you can support the show at Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile. It's a good way to support the show, keeps things running smoothly, shows your appreciation, all that stuff. It's much appreciated from our angle too. And as always, the Captain Tier supporters get a shout out here. So special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas. Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Flores, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Now we read our patron thoughts. If you're a patron at patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them. Will Yates says, you are cordially invited Clearly, whoever taught Worf to fight also taught Alexander physical comedy. The final scene between <laughs> Dax and the Klingon woman didn't seem earned at all. So come one, come all, and you won't be too... You won't not be lo- not loving this episode. Uh, kind of a letdown given all the time they've spent on talking about this wedding. I give it a year. I, 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 I'll, I'll flesh it out further. I liked Alexander um, in this. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know... Maybe I'm at the point in the series where I kind of like just like the quirky, weird take. If some character yeah. comes in, it's just like, wow, that's a strange thing that this actor chose to do. But I, I like that he's kind of a doofus. I like that they built off of that. Uh, his comedy seems, yeah, not great, but it's in the long tradition of not great physical comedy, I think, on Star Trek. Uh, so he fits in wonderfully there. Let's see here. Hello? Hello? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Uh, we're You're back. Good. I'll just cut that out. Uh, Norman Buckwald says, you're cordially invited, decides to show that Kira and Odo have a talk about what happened in the occupation without really showing it to us. In fact, until Bashir's investigation in the 10 episode seven, uh, season seven arc, it appeared that Quark, Jake, Rom, and Lita kept quiet about Odo's temporary betrayal. 
The writers chose to cop out on a required scene by giving a backdrop of the wedding sitcom comedy episode, and that's all we got. As for the comedy in general, if you're cordially invited, what made it successful was not Worf slash Dax's dispute, please, that's required formula for an episode like this, but O'Brien and Bashir getting caught up in the Klingon bachelor party ritual. Still, how naive of both of them. They should have known that by, by now that engaging in any Klingon ritual would involve a minimum of pain sticks. Another winning moment of the episode was the wedding ceremony itself and the story of the Klingon couple defeating their gods. So what uh, finally makes your cordially invited succeed is actually all things Klingon. What did you think of the little play acting in the Klingon wedding? Uh, I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny that Klingon um, Klingon ceremonies become like sort of like third-rate theater troops at a certain point <laughs> where they dress like uh, Shakespearean <laughs> actors and hit each other with swords. Yes. Uh, let's see. Cordially invited... That is already done there. I did that one already. What is this? Oh, so many people uh, typed invited. There we go. Christian Pouch. Actually, despite what you might think about it, the episode's not that bad. I actually love all the scenes in the cave with Worf and the boys, especially Bashir and O'Brien gleefully plotting how they will punish Worf. And again, Martok is great. Zim Nuclear Vessel says, Hey, apparently Shelby made it to Captain before Riker did. I am unsurprised. Is that a reference? I might have missed that reference. Uh, yeah, they... Uh... They mentioned the a Captain Shelby? Pol- yeah, the Polynesian guy, I think. Oh. Base. No, wait. Is that what it is? It might be. That that kind of yeah, he, he does mention she, his captain, yeah. 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 She she says that uh Shelby owed me a Captain Shelby owed me a favor or something like that. Oh. And, and got him days off so he could come to the party. I don't know, something like that. Well, we need to have a best of both worlds follow up where Riker has to deal with the fallout of getting not getting that promotion. Andrew Cherlog, in typical DS9 fashion, we get a come-down episode after a long-run war story. The episode is good enough, and I definitely see people having a wedding under the, circumstance, under the circumstances, having had parishioners get married right before they deployed. I will admit that I laugh at the Klingon bachelor party every single time. Stephen Cobb, Dex calls her mother-in-law the descendants of a whore. <laughs> laugh out loud. <laughs> um, Yarpy. I love Klingons, probably because they're larger-than-life type of characters, and they're kind of Shakespearean. I like this episode, especially the scenes with Martok, who is one of my favorite characters in the show. Herzl does a great job with the role. I also liked his wife very much. She felt very much like the proud Klingon woman. The place where they had the Klingon bachelor party itself looked pretty inviting. I wonder how high the temperature went, as I usually heat my sauna to about 176 degrees, although fasting doesn't sound like too much fun. You know, I think one of the things that's really different about these older shows and Star Trek Discovery is could you imagine a scene like the Dax and mother-in-law scene happening with a human character like Michael Burnham and Laurel or something? Right. You know, like the the Klingons in Discovery are just so... Alien. Unfunny. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. They, they don't... Yeah, they're so alien that it's... I mean, and maybe that's part of the, the what's interesting about them because... Uh, 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 someone was telling me the other day that they they had just started watching Discovery and, and actually really liked how alien the Klingons are, and I don't disagree. I th- you know I think the makeup's a little much, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a it's a it's a taste thing. Yeah, you um, it, it does change the tone of the show when the aliens are so different that the interactions between them don't feel credible if they talk to each other like people talking to each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like Star Trek, you can kind of say, well, it's the, the alien. You can always criticize and say the alien makeup is just like they put a little thing on their nose or like make them wear an earring or they put this little headpiece on them. Mm-hmm. But but that seems to allow the people to have conversations where it feels like it's just two people talking. 
to each other. It's not like it's an alien that's come in and you have nothing yeah, in common yeah. with each other. Uh, but it's a definite tone difference between the shows. It definitely isolates humanity more in Discovery. Um, where the Federation seems like it would be a tougher thing to assemble that way because no one's no one uh, shares any interests with each other. Yeah, no. Kyle Barrett says, The fact that Odo and Kira reconcile after everything that has happened in the occupation off arc screen in a closet is incredibly frustrating. Other than that, eh, it's fine. O'Brien and Bashir are fun, and the comedy in the episode works, but the drama less so. I wish that they had played up the comedy more, and maybe I've just got Orville on the brain, which sounds like a terrible medical condition, but I was half expecting the episode to suddenly cut from the dramatic wedding to Worf singing karaoke at the wedding reception or something, but hey, it's better than the next episode. Run for the hills, Clay. Seriously, run for the fucking hills. I was hoping that they would make sure to remind everyone they're in the middle of a war by, like... At, at the middle of the party, somebody drags in like an ensign who's been shot or something. Right. <laughs> he delivers a note to the uh, the wedding party and then drops dead. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Ross says, you're cordially invited. We now take a break in our war coverage for madcapped hijinks and cliches of a wedding comedy. The Dominion was so nice, they stayed away and probably brought on the registry. And so we got the angry mother-in-law cliche, the scared father-in-law, Worf is actually the bride. I think I saw this as a Tom Hanks movie called Bachelor Party, which is better. The ridiculous bachelor party is an excuse to further ingrain Orthodox religion and Dax is the party girl. So the hula fire thing was for, uh, was he hanging around the set that week? Cisco's stern talking to Dax is the strongest part. The rest we've seen before. Uh, And that's it. Thank you very much, patrons, for supporting the show. Thank you for writing in and leaving your comments. Clay, on a scale of Mm. one to five, what are you going to give you a cordially invited dot, dot, dot? I think I'm going to go with a four on this one. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four yeah. as well. Yeah, I really like yeah, it. Good, good stuff. Yeah, it's um, it, it was kind of nice to come back to a like a low-key uh, sort of silly episode after that. Not that the Warwick was bad or anything, but it's like it's uh, it does remind you that the 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 breadth of the show genres that Star Trek can do. Like it's nice to sort of bounce around and get different things to go on. Uh, you know, to have a comedy episode and something lighthearted and a little bit silly. Yeah, I thought it was uh, one of the more successful comedy episodes because um, everything was kind of uh, it, nothing was overly broad except for uh, you know Alexander at the beginning yeah. there. But uh, <laughs> but you know it was I thought it was it was well done and the character stuff. I mean the, the comedy was more or less born from character stuff and yeah I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four as well. I think it's a pretty solid episode. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash LipensKeyFell if you want to support us there. All the social media links are down below. Uh, and I think that's it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, again, we've got a Kickstarter going for a book I'm doing called Bloody Hell. Well, it's not going. It will be going in July, uh, probably later later July. Uh, so, yeah, keep your keep your eyes and ears open for that. Yep, we'll be putting a link up to that when it happens, so you can stay tuned. If you want to support Clay that way, feel free. Obviously, it'd be much appreciated. With that, we are done. And so the next episode, Clay, that Kyle warned you about is Resurrection. We'll be back with Resurrection, where uh, Mirror Universe Barile returns. Who is, oh, and Jesus he's not Christ. He's not dead. <laughs> so, we have Resurrection coming up in a couple days. Uh, I'm real busy. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Mazel tov, and uh, this is where we step on the glass to end the episode wedding. So, see you later. <laughs>